to the latest episode of Middle Ground with JLE LLC, where we treat you like family. Season 7, Episode 2. That is the theme song, Detroit Love, off my album, my first album, JLE Experience. I own the music, all copyrights to it. Don't mute nothing, Facebook. Had an issue yesterday, just saying. <laughs> I feel like I put that out there so it's on tape. I own this. That is me. Don't touch it. Don't mute nothing. Don't have all these people again. But back to the show. Sorry about that, people. I digress. We have another amazing guest, my family. She's on the show back in December where she talked about writing a book about her story. And it's here. And we're going to share about it. So got to give her her accolades because she's out here doing amazing stuff. We have the mental health advocate, minister, international speaker, life coach, founder, CEO of How Well Are You, best-selling author, and author of the upcoming Crazy Didn't Get Me, Cynthia Mobley Howell. Welcome to the show, fam. Hey, hey, Jeffrey. Thank you. Thank you. And I love that new intro. That wasn't quite long enough. I was just getting into it. And then you like cut it. I'm like, but then you say that's mine. Don't mess with it. Don't bother it. Don't touch it. So I ain't gonna touch that. I'll let you do what you do. But I love it. I love it. I love it. Moving on up to the east side family. <laughs> I was at three o'clock in the morning, like I gotta get better. You know my name on these streets. I'm somebody. Yes, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's what my mama, that's right. That's what my mom used to say. You somebody. So if you somebody, then act like you somebody. And that's the album cover of JLE World that's out. Go get it. More great music. Now, like yeah, this yeah. Yes, yes. And I've no, been dragging. I got to get my hands on that. I've been dragging my feet. I I, I went over to YouTube. I I've been over there be bopping. I heard you. I heard you. Hey, yeah. Hey, Playing your car, that bag going you like in Florida, like, what up, though? I'm from Detroit for a minute. <laughs> you know him? Yeah, I know that man. <laughs> so we're going to get right into it. First question, what led you to write Crazy Didn't Get Me? That's a very good question. For years, and, and I've been telling my story for quite some time now. Um, but this last year, since around April of 2021, where I actually took the stage at the Leadership Experience uh, Tour in Troy, Michigan, as a matter of fact, was when I really put it out there. But um, just to give you a little bit of background, and if I didn't say it, thank you again for having me. But just to give you a little bit of background, I am one of four siblings, and I was raised in a household with two parents. And like I said, I was one of four siblings. I was the youngest and the only girl. So here's the clincher. All, it was four of us, and the other three, which were brothers, were all mm. affected by severe mental health issues. So there was drama going and coming all the time. It was constant drama because imagine three people in one house with mental health issues. That means when we got one under control, another mm -hmm. one would pop off. <laughs> you get him under control, then another one would pop off. You get that one under control. Yeah, they, they were popping like popcorn. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Popping like popcorn. So I remember, you know, I went through all of that. And, and when you're actually in the middle of all of that, mm-hmm. you know things are happening, but it kind of becomes a norm. So you just kind of go with the flow. So yeah. all of those years, I went with the flow. But as I got older and um, became independent and, you know, was out on my own and reflecting back, you know, in retrospect of all that happened, I would say to myself or I would say to people jokingly, I'm going to write a book one day. (laughs) And I was just joking, really, you know, because everything that went on, you know, I was like, I'm going to write a book one day. And I was like laughing about it because I really wasn't mm-hmm. serious. But, mm-hmm. I was, you know, I should, I need to write a book one day. I just need to let people know, you know, what had happened. But I was really, I was really joking. But um, the day came where God told me it's time to write the book. Mm-hmm. And that was in, that was in 20. 16, Jeffrey, 2016. And so I started writing the book in 2016 because I felt like it was really time for people to hear my story, to answer your question, what made me write the book? At that time, I felt like it was time for people to hear my story. So now that was 2016. And and I guess you said, well, that was 2016. This is 2022. What happened? I finished, I actually finished the manuscript in 2017. Okay. And I've been actually sitting on the manuscript for many reasons since 2017. But in, in short, what made me write the book was I knew that people needed to hear my story. I didn't exactly know why, because remember now, mm-hmm. this came to me to do in 2016. People weren't talking about mental health issues. No, they weren't talking about that. I was. I remember doing a Facebook Live um, where I actually came out and I remember I named it. I was telling people, I'm going to come on Facebook Live. I'm going to start doing a Facebook Live. This is in 2016. And I remember titling the Facebook Live, shh, don't tell nobody. So, you know, people were hopping on like, woo, what, what, what is this about? Woo, they were hopping on. They, I had them, honey. They was coming. They were coming. They wanted to know, what is she getting ready to say? You know what I'm saying? You know, we like secrets. We yeah. like, like secrets. Drama. Yeah, drama. yeah we, we like drama. Exactly. But that Facebook Live was when I initially announced that I was writing the book crazy didn't get me. Okay. Well, we got a family member, Lamont Howe, a blessed and amazed woman of God who will not cross the line. Yeah, that's the other half. Okay. <laughs> hey, yeah, Lamont. I'm learning. Stop putting people's stuff up here. I'm not professional <laughs> with this thing. <laughs> Gone. I told you. The, listen, the more you grow, the more you glow. <laughs> there you go. I got to be shining these streets. That's right. That's right. That's right. You better. Yeah. So what was the experience writing 
what you live through in words. Ooh, man, that is a loaded question. Take time. I, I, it took me a while to write all this down last night. I wanted to make sure you focus on the book. Set you out right. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. No doubt. The experience writing the book. Hey, Trina. There goes Trina. Hey. And we got another one. I really had no idea when I started writing the book. I had no idea how when I hit certain places, started talking about certain things, I had no idea how it was going to hit me. There were times when I would literally have to push myself back from the computer because I was actually typing it. You know, we in the day of typing. I would literally have to push myself back from the computer and just regain my composure. There were times when I was typing things and I felt like, well, no, I didn't feel like it. I couldn't breathe. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, did this stuff actually happen? Yeah. I'm talking yeah. to myself. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that did happen. But it was so overwhelming. And to actually be reliving it, as you say, I couldn't some days I, I I couldn't hardly take it. I would just break down and boo-hoo cry like, wow, these things actually happened. And when when people get their hands on the book, Crazy Didn't Get Me, they're going to understand exactly what I'm talking about. Because you know I've been posting my excerpt, um, chapter one of the book, and the feedback that I've been getting from people, they're like, oh, my God, because I started off like with a bang. I get right on in there. I get right on into it. The beginning, the first chapter gets right on into it. And people are already saying like, oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I was feeling when I was writing the book at times. Oh, my God. Wow. Did these things actually happen? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. So it was so overwhelming at times until, like I said, I could hardly catch my breath. I couldn't hardly breathe. I could hardly breathe because it was just so, so overwhelming because it felt like I was having an out-of-body experience. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was tough Um, because I remember a lot. My 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 best friend always teases me. She said, "Girl, <laughs> you got a good memory." You know, when I'll be, we'll be trying to think of somebody's name from mm-hmm. school, high school, elementary school, and I'll say, "That was so and so and so and so." And she she's like, "Girl, you got a good memory," <laughs> and I do. And I have a very good memory. I have a very vivid memory, so I know when I pinned these things in the book. Mm -hmm. They were crystal clear. It was like I was still there. I didn't have to 
think about what I was writing. It was very fluid mm-hmm. because the memories are very vivid. Yes. Yes, Trina, you will get your signed copy. You better believe that. <laughs> you absolutely will. Because when I, when I was coming up with the questions, I focused just on the author side of it. I thought back to my first book when I wrote and put in there when I attempted suicide back in high school. Like, and I thought, wrote it like, you actually put that down. Oh, God said it's going to be transparent, but dog, it's words. That's why I didn't release the book. I, I wrote it in like two weeks in July last year. Like, I ain't about to publish that. They're going to know about that about me. Then, you know, God started doing one of these. Like, what I tell you to do? <laughs> Gonna help somebody, and it helps someone on Instagram overseas that it gave them a reason to live after reading. Like, wow, see, see why I had to put it in there. That's right. We have to be obedient to God. And and speaking of being obedient to God, mm-hmm. I wrestled a very long time with the title, but God gave me that title. He gave me that title in a dream one night. Okay, and. I'm like, okay, we're going to go with it. You're welcome, Trina. I said, okay, we're going to go with it. And, you know, I got mixed emotions about it because I, you know, you know family and, you know, everybody's like, yeah. we you know, you out here, everybody going to know. Out here, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what you're doing? And, and then a lot of people, especially people who may suffer. From mental health issues get offended with the word crazy but come on let's um be real. we know what we we know mm-hmm. <laughs> we know so let's just let's just keep it just just keep it real so i wrestled for a long time with the title but god wouldn't let me touch it he's like no that's the title and that's yeah. the title and Dope that's title. the title <laughs> Thank you. Title. Thank and you. I read the excerpts after the first time you was on the show in December. I was like, whoa. And it's just a tidbit. Yeah. It's the best seller once you get done. I received that. I received We're dealing with mental health because it's been there, but the pandemic made people realize you might need to talk to somebody. It's okay to talk to somebody. You might mm-hmm. okay not be okay. That's right. That's right. And let me just say, I have an amazing publisher. My publisher is actually Philomont Publishing out of London, England. Chris Day is amazing. He won the 2021 Best Publisher Award in London. And uh, he is dope. They get him on the show. Yeah, absolutely. He he is he is no joke. So just want to shout out to Chris Day for um, being there, and we're getting this done. But like you were saying, getting back to what you were saying, I noticed that a lot of people started talking about mental health when a lot of celebrities started quote unquote coming out the closet. Yeah, during the pandemic, because everybody was in the crib going crazy. No pun intended. And they like, oh, we need to talk. I remember what what is her name? Um, hmm, her name eludes me. She's a sister. 
uh, and she started talking. She she started be, being very transparent. But it is so amazing. It's so amazing because when I Googled, I Googled, I did a Google search of celebrities mm-hmm. that have mental health issues. The search was endless. Oh, yeah. I remember the NBA player, Kevin Love, talking about it years ago. And it was like, wow, he's talking about this? Like, mm-hmm. It's real. It ain't a dirty secret. You just need to get help so you can be better. Then other mm-hmm. NBA players started talking about it. Exactly. And and what's so what's so critical, and that's one of the my primary, yeah, yes, to Raji P. Henson. Thanks, that, Trina. Exactly. Thanks, Trina. Mm-hmm. When she came out, you know, people, you know, kind of caught on, you know, and they started, well, it's okay, you know, Taraji's talking about it. So, you know, it's okay. But like you said, there were some other celebrities who have, has had mentioned it in prior times, but people kind of were like, mm-hmm. you know, shying away from it. You know, let, let's not, uh, we don't, we don't want to go there. But then Taraji went there. When she went there, then I believe more celebrities started coming out saying, "Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm having I'm having some issues." You know, people had a facade that well, you're famous, you got over millions in your bank, you ain't gonna worry about paying bills, getting food for your babies. What you got to complain about? But even getting there don't mean it has no its own challenges. That's right. You poor, rich, whatever. There's still challenges in life you got to deal with. Exactly. And no amount of money, no amount of social status, no color, <laughs> no gender. It mental illness illness does not discriminate. Nope. It does not discriminate. It doesn't care who you are. It doesn't care where you came from. It doesn't care how much money you have. It doesn't care. It doesn't care. It is an illness, and and what's so what's so uh, sad about it is, and I know you've heard this example used many times. We've all heard this example used many times. We don't trip when people have diabetes or cancer or lupus or leukemia or MS. You know, we we, we we're not going around now. Maybe a little. But for the most part, we're not going around like, you know, we go, we need to keep this is we need to keep this a secret. Good point, Lamont. <laughs> mental illness is a disease mm-hmm. just like these other diseases, and it's treatable and it's manageable if you first of all, and one of the things that I advocate is for early intervention. This was the situation with my brothers. And as I said in an article that I wrote for NAMI, NAMI is the National Alliance for Mental Illness, is the grassroots uh, mental health organization and um, in the U.S. And what I said in the article is that I yet mourn for my brothers because they did not get uh, the treatment that they needed when they needed. Therefore, mm-hmm. they were not able to lead ordinary, productive lives. You yeah. know, my oldest brother ended up committing suicide. 
My middle brother, he was bipolar. A middle brother who's schizophrenic hasn't been seen in over two decades. He just disappeared off the face of the earth. Nobody has seen or heard from him in over two decades. And my youngest brother, who is schizophrenic, has been in a uh, maximum security facility for the criminally insane for over 33 years. Yeah, because they didn't, they didn't really know how to deal with it back then. So now, as we learn more, technology gets better, like, okay, you got a better way to try to treat it with medicines and everything. Exactly. That and also being raised in a Christian home where they thought you could pray everything away. Baby, you can't pray everything away. No. <laughs> you know, God gave us some common sense, too. And and I believe, you know, I believe in prayer. I'm a minister. I'm a Christian. I absolutely believe in prayer. But I also believe that people need to get professional treatment. Okay, well, that works to do. Exactly. I do both. Yeah. Yeah. Because my, my mama was praying up a storm and they were getting worse. <laughs> so, duh, <laughs> we need to bust a move. We need to do something else. I always say, you know, they have a saying now, and I coined that phrase, Jesus and therapy. You know, mm -hmm. so you, we, we have to, we have to call a spade a spade. We have to call it what it is. We have to call it what it is. And in and, and my book, whenever you read, Whenever you read the entire book and you see some of the events that happen as a result of the mental illness, it's going to make your hair stand up on your head. And just to think if they had gotten the treatment that they needed, if we weren't dealing with the stigma and not mm -hmm. wanting to deal with it and to talk about it, they would have never gone through what they went through. We would have never gone through what we went through because they were going through what they were going through. But in turn, the whole family was going through what they were going through. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Yeah, that's why you're almost having PTSD living through something like that. And to be able to move forward and have a normal life and have a relationship with anybody. It's, that's going to definitely have a different outlook on men. Like, okay, well, what might set this person off? I know my brothers, the pen drop set them off, for example. So I'm, I'm watching more closely. You good? You ain't got this problem, do you? But they seem normal. Then I know where it just happened. So you got your, your lights on with everybody. Hold on. Okay. That's right. That's right. Because you, <laughs> you know, you recognize you recognize it when you see it because living with it for all those years and I'm still living with it because my brother who is in the institution, mm -hmm. I'm all he has. And so my goal is to talk to him on a regular basis, but he's been in a situation for the last three months where he doesn't want to talk. His counselor speaks to me 
on a weekly basis, though, she stays in contact with me. And I appreciate her for that to let me know. She said, he's fine. She said the other day, and he's a comedian, by the way, he's like, Okay. Yeah. She said he walked past her the other day and she said, Dwight, his name is Dwight. Dwight, uh, you know, we're supposed to call Cynthia every Wednesday. He said, oh, I'll call her next year. Oh, <laughs> and I told her when I talked to her Thursday and we were chuckling about it, I said, the way it looks, it is going to be next year. Thank you so oh, much, Trina. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Very kind words. Um, Yes. Yes. But yeah, so he, he gets in, you know, I try to stay in contact with him. The thing about it though, the staff at that facility knows that he has somebody who cares because I talked to his counselor mm-hmm. at least once a week and we have deep and long conversations. And she talks about how there are so many family members or so many residents there or patients there that don't have anybody to care and oh. don't have anybody that's, yeah. She said, there's so many. So, so he, he is one of the fortunate ones because when they weren't doing, before she came along, there was a couple of people before her, one mm-hmm. counselor who wasn't doing what she needed to be doing as far as keeping me updated and staying in contact with me. Oh, mm-hmm. I, had to, I had to go there one day. I called I me. And I, I went straight in. I went straight in. I'm like, I yeah. The counselor before her, I went straight in on him because, you know, see what they didn't realize is number one, I've been dealing with this all of my life. So I know my brother's behaviors very well mm-hmm. and I know how they roll. Number two, I've also worked in a facility. Uh, I was in clerical support, but I was a unit secretary. So the unit secretary knows everything because we see everybody's charts. We mm-hmm. we, we are, you know, um, getting their charts ready for the doctors when the doctors come to see them. So we we have access. We see everything. So I know all the terminology. I know everything. Right. And so this, so his counselor is talking to me and we had a very good relationship at the time me and his this particular counselor and he was talking to me and i was asking him questions and he was you know not you know trying to he was kind of like being a little passive and i said i went i went i went in i went in and i went in using their terminology and when i was using when i started using some certain words he was like oh you know oh she knows let me, I, I, let, let me, let, let me get myself together here. And when I went in like that, he was like, came back. Uh, what we need to do is we need to get Dwight to sign a consent so that we can blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate that. And it's crazy because my cousin had something wrong with his throat a few years ago. Went to emergency. Mm-hmm. So the nurse, I learned some stuff from her. So I'm talking like, I'm one of them, and they were straight BS. I'm like, it's two in the morning. Where the hell are these people at? <laughs> so I had a man got whoop whoop. Oh, okay, now I'm getting that Don Perignon treatment. Right. And I told sister, like, because you probably they didn't know if you was one of the head people or someone watching them because you knew the lingo. That's right. So they, they like, who is this person? That's right. And, you know, point, and it shouldn't take that. It should the job to do that to help. Go help. Right. That's Here. right. That's right. And when they know that you know, 
then mm-hmm. they know. And and so the the one, so he and I, we we got along real good and everything was fine. Then he had to uh he retired for medical reasons and he had been my brother's counselor for many years, you know, for long for as long as he had been at that particular facility. Okay. And they got this other woman who <laughs> I I don't know what her situation was, but uh-huh. it didn't have nothing to do with me and it didn't have nothing to do with my brother. So <laughs> Every, you know, every time, and I hadn't spoken to my brother in like when she became his counselor, because I used to talk to him at least once a week. And when she became his counselor, all of a sudden, I'm not hearing anything from him. Then I went through my own life transition, so to speak, where there was a period of time when I was not able to because of things that was going on with me. But then when I got back on my bandwagon, I reached out to them every time I would call her and talk to her. Oh, he's status quo. I'm like, okay, I don't, I, don't, I was in my mind. I'm thinking, I don't know what that means. Yeah. My brother could be dead. And you tell me he's status. He might be dead up in there somewhere. And y'all, I don't know. Like, you know, don't play with me. So one day I had had enough of her. And she started, when I called, she started, I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, and she talking about Mrs. Howard. So I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> you listen to me. I'm talking. And I went in. You know, my brother is a human being. He is not a number. He is not a number. He is a human being. And I need this. And she, she got real quiet, Jeffrey. And then she said, well, would you like for me to go and see if he'll come to the phone? I already knew he wasn't going to come to the phone, but I said, sure. I said, sure, I'll wait. Go ahead. I knew he wasn't coming to the phone, but I wanted her to do what she needed to be. Say it again. Say it again. Play your position. I said, sure. I said, go ahead. I knew he wasn't coming to the phone, you know? I just kind of felt like he wasn't, even though I hadn't talked to him in a very long time, because that's the thing. When you're dealing with people with mental health issues and, you know, like my brother, you know, he he's schizophrenic. So he has a lot of manic episodes and he is delusional oftentimes and in all those types of situations. So, like I said, I know his MO and I know how he functions. But the thing about it is when you're dealing with an individual that has a mental illness, they they need to be um, you need to make sure that things are consistent with them. And Mm -hmm. so when because once once that consistency, for instance, like I said, if we're talking every week, then that needs to maintain because if something changes with them, that kind of throws them off. You know, they're already dealing with Mm -hmm. mental health issues. So then you, you throw them off their game. So then that throws like a monkey wrench and everything. So I knew because since he hadn't talked to me in such a long time, I knew just her popping in out the clear blue sky and saying, Cynthia's on the phone. You want to talk to her? I knew he wasn't going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like, norm- like normal people, quote unquote. If, 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 if it's normal, we're normal and we haven't talked to somebody in a while, mm-hmm. you know, and somebody comes to say, hey, so-and-so is on the phone. We like, yeah, yeah. But when you have, when you're suffering from mental health issues and when you're delusional and schizophrenic and all that, manic and all that, and then somebody just comes and throw you, throw 
throw something out there out of the clear blue sky, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to respond in a positive manner. So she's like, uh, did you want me to, I'll, I'll go and see if he'll come to the phone. I said, sure, go ahead. I'm thinking to myself, he ain't coming to the phone, but like you said, go do your job. So she goes and I could hear her walking and I could hear her, I could actually hear her talking to him because I guess she was close to where he was. And, you know, in those types of facilities, Mm -hmm. the acoustics, you know how the acoustics are. So I could hear her talking and, and she comes back to the phone and she said, oh, he, he doesn't want to come to the phone. I said, that's fine. I said, but thank you so much for trying. I said, I appreciate it. You know, and shortly after that, shortly thereafter, she was moved to another position and he got another counselor who was very good. She was a sister, young sister. And we spoke. I told her, you know, my expectations. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I'm like, I know my brother. I've been living with my, I know my brother. I've known my brother all my life and I know about his illness. So I know how he rolls. So when I spoke to her and I gave her some insight about him and all of that, and she said, okay. And she, that's little sister was on top of her game. And then, yeah. And then she left and I, and he just recently, probably in the last, since November, I think got a new counselor, but she is on top of her game. Like I said, he's supposed to call me, you know, I'm supposed to have a phone every week, but he is in his funk. But she makes sure she calls me every week. That's awesome. You got a real one posting for you. Real one. And I said all that to say, I said all that to say, so it's not over. I'm still having the experience because I'm still having to deal, even though my brother is in a facility, I'm still having to deal with, okay, he don't want to talk. You know, but I know he's okay at least because mm-hmm. she let me know he's fine. But he doesn't want to talk. And we were the other day we were talking, and she was like, "I don't." I, I, she said, "I know it's not you. So I'll take it personally because he would let me know, and he would let her know because he is that tight." Yeah. As I always say, he crazy, but he got good sense. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. You know you. Yeah. Yeah, I know him. I know him. So, but he's in, he's in whatever state he's in that he he's just not talking. So, I, there's nothing I can do. I can't force his hand. You know, um, the last time that they tried to schedule me to visit with him, which has been, I have not physically seen my brother except on Skype maybe a year ago. Before that, I had not seen him physically in years. And when I tried to see him, um, the counselor at the time called me and said, I had planned everything to go and see him. The counselor said, got bad news. And I'm thinking, okay, he's in one of his phones. He just decided I don't want to mm-hmm. see her. But come to find out, the issue was because of the facility that he was in, uh, once he saw me in the visits or contact visits, you can actually, you know, sit okay. with him. Mm-hmm. But once he, because of the facility, once our visit was over, they would have to strip search him when he went back in. And he was like, I ain't having it. And I said, no, I don't believe it. <laughs> Oh, man. That's a rough one right there. Yeah. So I, I could understand that. I said, well, yeah, I wouldn't want them strip, strip searching me either. So I have literally not had any physical contact with him. I've lost count of the years now. Okay. Yeah, and and like I said, I finally 
actually saw him again about maybe a year, a year, a year and a half ago, where he did agree to do a Skype call. He was going to do that every week. Yeah, but he was going to do that every week. And that didn't happen because that's his. Yeah, he up and down, unfortunately. Yeah. So he he's one of the main characters in the book, by the way, because he was the most dramatic of all. Um, he he he's a piece of work. <laughs> he's a, piece of a movie now. You know what? I have I have you're like the third person. You are like the third or fourth person that has said that that I've interviewed with that has said that. So I know that's going to happen. Cause this is the, this is like the fourth time that that's been spoken. Hey, I got the soundtrack. That's all I'm saying. Hey, hey, <laughs> we can we gonna do this. <laughs> got you covered. We gonna do this. Yeah. Uh, what has been the reaction from people who have read episode from Crazy Didn't Get Me? Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten one one reaction that I got, which was um which was great, was actually a mentor of mine. And he said, uh, he said, wow. He said, this is like, he said, right from the beginning, he said, this book is really going to sell. That was his response. Mm -hmm. And uh, other people have said, wow, like, it sounds like, I mean, that, like, that did, that really happened. I am so sorry. And, you know, people are just amazed. Like, are you, are you serious? That happened? It's real. Like, yeah, that, that happened. I ain't making it up. <laughs> Listen, here's my, I swear on the Holy Bible. <laughs> Not mm-hmm. making it up. It happened. And yeah, so people are, people can't wait. People that have read the excerpt, like, oh my goodness, I cannot read. And gritty and truthful. Yeah, yeah, it is. And if you think the excerpt, if you think that was hard and gritty and truthful, I remember when I had my interview from uh, with Jenny Russell uh, over in London, and that was how she that was how she um, termed the interview because we did a part one and a part two, and okay. on the yeah, and in the part one, she was like, "It's hard." She said, "It's hard," and it was because we got yeah, it's it's gritty, it's gritty. Yes, Trina, yes, yes, we are going all the way in, Trina. We we're not stopping just at the book, and I believe God can do anything, and I like that anything in all books, mm-hmm. movies, etc. Yeah, I'm, and I'm believing God for that, Trina. I really am. I really am. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, Lamont said he's glad I could run. And yeah, because as I talk about in my uh, excerpt, you know, I had to run that day. And like I said, it was kind of comical, the part where I've never been a runner. I couldn't even make it around the track when I was in school, you know, when when we were in high school. And Mm -hmm. the first thing we did when we came to gym, we had to run around the track one time. I don't know if y'all had to do that, but back in high school. I was short and fat. That was horrible. Like time out, man. Give me, let me, let me get adjusted. Ain't too many honey buns already. What you talking about, bro? But they got me in shape though. Cause that was an everyday thing in gym. Like y'all gonna hit that track, sixteen laps. 
Then we're going to do the other stuff. Like, okay, Jerry, you got to figure this out. So stop going to the store twice a day. Drink more water. Do some push-ups. Get your mind right. <laughs> You're funny. I wasn't short and fat, but I couldn't run. Now, I, could, I'm a, I, became, I eventually became a runner as I got older because I've always told myself, I'm, I'm going to prove to myself I can run. And But when I was in school, baby, I couldn't, I, I would get about a third of the way around that track. And I, I think I finally figured it out. It mm-hmm. had to do with breathing. I didn't know how to breathe. Yeah. You know, because I, I just didn't know how to breathe. Yeah. I got yeah. slammed. <laughs> Boy, it was just that suckling chocolate brother, like, oh, he lost weight. Yeah. Look at me now, baby. Represent. <laughs> <laughs> back on that grind now be black thor yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah so that <laughs> so that day when when that happened with my brother that day i had to learn how to run quick like and in a hurry and fast because it was either i was gonna run and get away from him or he yeah, <laughs> i know trina right yeah so that day i knew i better i better do something you you either gonna run or you're gonna perish yeah. <laughs> you're gonna get you gonna, yeah Fr- fright or flight that's right you you better run or you gonna you about to get jacked up <laughs> uh, in the halls of cooler high school back in the 90s you hear pop 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 <laughs> Underlay, gone. Like, you need no running struck like said, said, you just, oh, they shooting in the hallway. Where can I go? Wow. 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 Trouble, you took off. Yeah. (laughs) I get out of here. Yeah. Well, well, dealing with my, um, dealing with my brother's mental illnesses was like shooting in the hallway. All day. (laughs) I mean, I'm saluting because you survivor. That's every day. Man. I want the cereal and they pop off like dog. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's it's in the book. I remember a time that I had to jump out a window at my house and, and we lived in an old house and it was Ooh. high off the ground. Ooh. It was yeah, it was high up off the ground. I either had to take a chance of getting my legs broken or getting the beat down. And I decided I would take a chance of getting my ankle broken or my leg or my ankle bro- broken by jumping out the window with my pajamas on at night. So I had to make a choice, either jump out the window or get jumped on. Because I heard him when he said, he said, this was Dwight. He said he he had gone on a rampage. And this is in the book because my that's when my oldest brother committed suicide. And when we got the word that my oldest brother had committed suicide, Dwight just like, he snapped. He went there and he was doing all manner of stuff, trying to set, trying to set the neighbor's house afire. And, oh, he just, he just, he just, he just, he went, he went there. And I heard him say, I was in the back of the house. We had, we lived in this old house, but it was like big. And I was in the back of the house and I heard him say, and I got one more I got to get. And I know he was talking about me. I knew he was talking about me. And the, and the thing about it is, y'all don't judge me. My son at the time was a toddler and he was crazy about my son. Thank you so much, Trina. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Thank, Thank you. You, you as well. 
And my son was between me and him, and I had to make a decision. I'm just going to, don't judge me. <laughs> don't judge me. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I hear. <laughs> oh, no. That's, that's a horrible thing you got to choose from. Yeah. But I knew that he was, I knew deep down in my heart, because he was crazy about my son. He used to, when I would work, he babysat him. When I couldn't, when I was at work and I couldn't take him, take my son to get his shots, you know, his, his vaccinations. He took my son to get all of his vaccinations and everything. He was, he was crazy about my, my baby. And my son was like about two or three years old. And like I said, when he said, I got one more I got to get. And he was in the living room. My son was in the dining room and I was in the back. So my son was between me and him. And I said, ooh. You got love for him, but you don't like me that much. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> See, I knew. See, I knew. I had been around the block a few times. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. When you know what you know, you just know what you know. Mm -hmm. And I and I when I tell you I raised that window and hit that ground in just the nick of time because when I when I when my feet hit the ground, I heard him bust the door open to the room. And I was gone. I was booking. I didn't look back. I didn't stop till I got to my friend's house, which was several blocks away. Man. And come to find out, uh during that rampage, one of the uh, fire detectives who had come out, like I said, he tried to set a fire around the neighbor's mm -hmm. house. We understand he was pouring gasoline around the, the house. All wow. of this was in the book. Yeah. And when the fire, the fire investigators came out, he was he was going off because at the time, I guess nobody had called the paramedics or whatever. Mm -hmm. So he had an altercation with the um <laughs> With the, um, the the fire investigator, and he said, he said, I ought to have him arrested. He blacked my eye because he just he had he mm. lost it. He lost it. No. And I, you know, I was on a symposium. I was on a webinar today, and they were talking about you know the nine eight eight number now that they have to call when somebody with a mental health issue is um is having an episode. You dial nine eight eight. And you get actually you get a mental health professional to respond versus the police because police aren't trained to deal with these types of situations. And so many people with mental health issues have lost their lives um, at the hand. Say it again. Nine eight eight. Nine eight eight. Let me, okay. let me sure, make sure it's 988 and not, not yeah, 988. So okay. that, that's the number that you dial now and you will get a mental health professional that will respond uh, versus put that on uh, when I do this pub post I put that on there so they know please what that number yeah. is and it, that's like the police number for this. It's actually so so what it is is you get a mental health professional because the whole concept is when people would call 911 and a police would respond. Yeah, a lot of people have um, they're in danger because the cops aren't trained to nah. deal with people with mental health issues. They're they're trained to take people down if they look like 
something is about to happen to them if they feel like they're in danger. So when you talk called 988, back in the day, there was no 988. It was no. 911. And whoever showed up, showed up. They they had to protect themselves. And some people, unfortunately, are gone or got wounded badly. Cause exactly. Because tell them, I, you don't. Okay, you put them down. Yeah, because I know someone in our hometown. Thank God it didn't happen to my brother, but there was a young man in our hometown, and I'm from a very small town, and it really rocked. It it rocked the city because I'm from a very small town. Um, population there now, maybe 35,000, 40,000, I don't know, but um, at the time it was even less. But this uh, young man was had mental health issues. I don't know exactly what he was diagnosed with. And, and, you know, he was, he was having an episode and the police were called and I guess they felt threatened to my knowledge. He didn't have a weapon or anything, but apparently they felt threatened and they killed that boy. Mm -hmm. They killed that boy. So, you know, and back then it was kind of a shocker because you didn't hear about that. Cause this was like in the, maybe like in the eighties. Yeah. Happened nineties, early millennium out here. And they find out they had those issues, like they got a weapon. We tell them to stop. People are trying to tell them, like, they mental health, don't kill them. They're like, we tell this person to stop. And they stay to come and tourists because they probably don't want it. Like, we try and put you down. They're trained. That's what they're trained to do. Exactly. Well, That's what they're trained to do. And it's by the grace of God that um Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't happen to my brother. And I'm not going to tell everything that's in the book, but it's also in the book about <laughs> I was an emergency room registrar. I actually, you know, registered people into the emergency room. I was about to get, yeah, I was about to um, get off my shift one day. Who comes in with the police? Welcome to my. Um, this is not the time or not the place, but anyway, um, <laughs> who comes in but the police with my brother? Mm. Now, imagine I'm at work, <laughs> and I had seen where when I came in that day and I was doing my charting, I worked seven to three thirty. Okay, when I came in that day. I saw a chart. My brother had been, they had brought him to the emergency room the day before, 3 to 11. I guess they released him. They brought him back 11 to 7. And now he's coming back again Wow. on the 7 to 3.30 shift because it was right at the end of my shift. He comes in and I guess the cops had beat this mess out of him because he had his eyes were black and I heard one of them say something about he spit on him. Mm. They had beat beat him. He the boy was mentally ill. But again, you see how they responded to that because they're not trained to mm-hmm. deal with people with mental illnesses. And I understand they they're trained to deal with criminals, <laughs> you know. That's true. Not people with mental health issues. So I am so glad that they did get that. You know, law passed. It, it was a, it was a couple of years, I think, in effect to get that nine eight eight number. But um, I know about that. It's new to me. Yeah, so yeah, they were they were actually talking about it today. I was on a webinar, the Black Mental Health Alliance. Okay. Uh, I was on a webinar with them today, and it was a very it was actually a sister. 
her the title of her book is Jail to Joy. As a matter of fact, uh, PhD. I have a PhD, but I'm bipolar. She has a PhD, but she's bipolar. But she's her, she's talking about having an episode and having to go to jail when she should have been going to a mental health facility. They took her to jail, you know, and to, to this day, and this only happened, this happened recently, like within the last, what, uh, within the last decade, but she's a, she's, and she's a sister and she has a PhD, but she has bipolar. She's, she lives with bipolar, but it's managed, you know, because she does what she's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But, um, but my point is talking about the 988 number because Somebody, she was having an episode, I guess, and somebody called nine one one, and she goes to jail instead of going to the emergency room to be, you know, evaluated. Now, what were the challenges writing this book? Oh, challenges. I guess it kind of like piggybacks off of what I said about when I got to those places that just seemed so unbelievable Okay, that I can't believe this is happening. Um, it kind of made me want to just stop writing it because I'm like, because I had to relive it. Yeah, I, I guess the challenge would be having mm-hmm. to actually relive what I went through. Okay. No. Mm-hmm. How did you feel? What emotions you felt after the book was done and ready to publish? At the end of the road, I I breathed a sigh of relief. I'm like, wow, I did it. I actually finished it. That was a, my emotion was, I was elated. I was very happy that I had actually finished it. Um, and it was ready to go, even though that was in 2017. <laughs> you did it. Um, what advice do you have for families dealing with mental health? My advice that I have, I have an acronym and it's IDA, I-D-A. And what that acronym means is number one or the first letter I is to identify unusual behaviors. Now, we all know our loved ones and we know how they act and what they do. And some of them do some acting out and we're accustomed to that. But whenever you see somebody that's acting out unusually, Mm -hmm. you need to know to identify that as a possible mental health issue going on. So I would say to a family member, the first thing you want to do is identify unusual behaviors. If you're not sure, then reach out to to a professional or reach out to a trusted source and say, hey, you know, uh, some some unusual behaviors, sleeping too much or not sleeping enough, avoiding friends and social activities, Becoming overly aggressive and and angry, extremely angry, not eating, eating too much. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are things that a lot of times we see as usual behaviors, but 
not all the time. So identify those unusual behaviors. The second thing is, is the D. Don't deny what you're observing. If you see unusual behavior, call it out. Call it what it is. When I say call it out, I don't mean to the person, oh, you're acting unusual. I don't mean that. I mean, in your mind, you call it and don't go into denial because that's part of the problem. A lot of family members deny what they see. So the D is for don't deny. And then finally, the A is act, A-C-T, act, and act quickly to get professional treatment for that individual. So you want to identify, don't deny, and act quickly to get them the treatment that they need so that they can live an ordinary, productive, and fulfilling life. Okay. Um Always, um, the last question, what advice do you have for someone trying to find their purpose? The advice that I have for someone who is trying to find their purpose is to find your purpose. <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of people say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. What's your passion? What is that thing that you do it with your eyes closed? What is that thing that you 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 think about day and night all the time? What is that thing that no matter what you're talking about or what you're doing, it always comes to you're going to talk about that thing. What is that thing that just comes so naturally to you? That's probably what your purpose is. And so when you talk about finding your purpose, you really don't have to look that hard. Most of us make it harder than it is. Most of us make finding our purpose harder than it is. It's really not that hard. Find your passion and you'll find your purpose. How about that? That's pretty awesome. Find your passion. You'll find your purpose. Whatever that thing is that you're passionate about, more than likely, is what your purpose is. And then once you do that, then seek mentors. And it doesn't always have to be somebody that you're actually talking to. I have a lot of mentors that don't even know they're mentoring me. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? So, and get around other people who are purpose driven. Get around other people. And I love your posts. You always post such inspirational posts every day about reaching and doing what it is that you've been called to do. And keep on doing that, Jeffrey. And I appreciate that so much. I love, I love those posts and I love those original quotes that you put out every day. So get around people like a Jeffrey that's doing things and that's going somewhere and that's reaching to help you further your purpose. No, I appreciate that. I mean, that's a big man. I pray and after a minute or two, give me something to put on and I post it. Exactly. And speaking of prayer, when you talk about finding your purpose, also, if you don't know, 
ask God. You know, he said, you can ask me, you know, if you desire, you know, wisdom, ask me or, um, you know, trust in me with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. And here's the key. In all of your ways, acknowledge me and I will direct your path. So ask God. He He made the purpose in you. He put purpose in you. So who better? Who better? So let me rewind all the way back to the question. What would you say to somebody that's trying to find your purpose? Find your higher power, whomever you say that he, she, it is, and ask that person. Mine is God, the only true and the living God. Ask him. He'll tell you what your purpose is. Now, when the book coming out? We don't have an exact date, but okay. when we get the date, we will let you know, but it will be 2022. Okay. Um, you heard it here. The whole origin story of Praise Didn't Get Me from the author. Oh, my bad. Let me say the whole thing. Mental health advocate, minister, international speaker, life coach, founder, CEO of How Well Are You, best-selling author and author of Praise Didn't Get Me. My family, Cynthia Mobley Howe. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And can I just say real quick uh, that that the listeners, please go to my website and it's right there on your screen, screen excuse me, at www.cynthiamobleyhowell.com and you will be able to access the excerpt that we were talking about earlier of the soon to be released bestseller, Crazy Didn't Get Me. So you go to my website. When you go to my website, page will pop right up. You click on it, and you'll be able to read that excerpt. I got a last comment. Thank you so much for having me again, Jeffrey. This is three times. That's pretty good. I was thinking, I'm like, man, I must be okay. He trusted <laughs> Everybody that's a guest has a standing invitation. You want to come back? And I know you. And I know you don't have a drought for guests. Cause you popping them off like this, so so it ain't like you just you you know you digging at the bottom of the barrel now. You you know you stay busy, you stay busy. So so I count this an honor and a privilege because you stay busy. <laughs> yeah, you ain't hurting for guests. I know that for a fact. You are not hurting for guests. Uh, hey, you know what I can I can do it myself. I got to you know. What I'm <laughs> You're welcome. My mother tried this outro, and you can hear it before I end the whole hookup. All right. I got one more thing. Oh. You're welcome, Lamar. Great job. Okay. That's all people post something. So you can hear the whole thing before I hit the end podcast. All right. And we're doing something new here. Let's go. Make sure everybody to the next episode. Y'all can check out the ending. Then I'll hit the end podcast. Detroit